Welcome to Not A Real Artist, a podcast by me, Tamara Sagadevan. And me, Iris Fritchie-Cousins, discussing relatable creative topics with honesty and humor. Get ready for our next episode, in which we explore inspiration. Is it a myth? How do we access it? And if inspiration is even that important? We hope you enjoy the podcast. We're coming straight hot of listening to our last finalized episode, which I found absolutely exciting and inspiring. So with that shameless segue, let's get into today's topic, which is inspiration. Is it a myth? Iris. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I, I like this clickbaity title because it's like it sets up the conversation so nicely. It's not like, oh, let's talk about inspiration. No, is inspiration a myth? And obviously, like, we're going to have opinions about that. So I'm actually in the camp. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say like, listen until the end of the podcast to find out what I think. No, but actually, I'm going to spoiler. I think inspiration is a myth. I think inspiration exists as a feeling, as a concept, but the way we interact with it, the way we are kind of taught about it, the way we think about it being like super magical, something you need, something that you have to wait for. I think that is a myth. Okay, cool. We can stop now. Two minute yeah, podcast. Great. We're done. done. <laughs> <laughs> so if you enjoyed this podcast, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it and I, when I looked at the topic again, I thought, why did we ask this question this way? The reason it feels magical and mythical to me sometimes is not because of how I see it displayed in videos or whatever, you know, this bright orange light and cherub singing, mm -hmm. but it's because I don't understand sometimes where it's coming from because I work in a frenzy when it hits me or I'm in flow and I don't take the time to sit down and, and be aware or analyze uh, how all of these components came together me to be inspired and to work. And I think that's why it can sometimes feel uh, mythical and magical to me. Okay. So you're saying like you, when you get into it, you're not in the mind space to deconstruct it, but if you were able to deconstruct it, then it might be something that you can purposefully create for yourself. Yeah. I think that a lot of people feel that it's something magical because they haven't had that time to deconstruct or analyze it. The other thing that I think about inspiration is, I don't know if you've noticed, if you want to draw rats or orange squares, whatever um, floats your boat, that a lot of other people are doing it at the same time. And I think that's just this collective because we're all consuming the same media, watching yeah. the same things. I don't know if you've heard like this reticular activated or activating system. So this part of your brain that like confirms your biases or whatever you're interested oh, in. Oh, right. Yes. Confirmation yeah. bias and stuff yeah, and like so cherry like, picking and all those good yeah, stuff. Uh, if you want to buy a white Ford, this is not an advert for Ford, by the way, you will see white Fords everywhere. Oh, it's the, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. <laughs> Which you, I think, spoke about in one of yes. the podcasts, yeah? So... <laughs> So no, um, sorry, it's not the Dunning Kruger effect. No, the Dunning Kruger effect is is um is assessing your abilities uh, incorrectly. No, this is the Bader Meinhof um oh, complex. No, 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 no. I don't know. I know it's RAS, and you're right about Dunning Kruger. I just said yes because I remembered you talking about it. <laughs> but that was a different thing. This is the this is the Bader Meinhof. It's when you when you become aware of something and then you start seeing it everywhere. Yeah, we did say it's honest. And uh, as you've seen, I'm extremely honest. I just agreed with something. <laughs> I, <didn't remember> it. <laughs> I can say anything and you'll just be like, yes, Iris, I agree with you, Iris. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so that's, I think, uh, something that makes it seem really magical because it's an idea that was definitely just only in your head, but suddenly everybody else is doing it. Um, and that's what kind of makes it feel magical. So I think it's really good to understand why it can feel magical. And then afterwards, it's easier for you to say yes or no, um, whether it is magic or not. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about that you don't need to necessarily understand everything. And when you've experienced inspiration like that, what you call being in flow or this frenzy, you kind of, you know, it exists. And maybe you know, you want to end up there more frequently. And yes, you can deconstruct it or you can set yourself up for success. But I don't think that you can completely control it. And I think that's kind of like that slightly magical quality. And I think that because so many things come into it. So yes, you can like tick your boxes of, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, because I know that that makes it more likely that I will find that flow. But that actual flow in and of itself is not guaranteed. I think that leads me into something that I wanted to say, which is that I think you need to show up for your art or your creativity anyway, rather than go like, oh, I can only create when I'm in flow or when I feel that magical feeling. And I actually think that when you are an artist who has kind of expectations of themselves, like you're not just doing it when you feel like it, you are doing it either because it's your job or because you're trying to achieve certain things, then you have to show up uh, and you have to do it. You cannot wait for inspiration because then you will be doing it like randomly, you know, twice a year. Yeah. You got to just show up. That's kind of one of our, our subtopics, which is waiting for brilliance. And I think a brilliance is maybe just another word here for, for inspiration. You know, you, you can wait. It might come to you, I don't deny for a second that you might get a good idea because, as you said, we don't we can tick boxes, but we don't have full control over it. So unconsciously, um, something could have motivated, motivated or inspired you, and then great. But it doesn't work that way for me. The inspiration comes in the doing. Yeah, I really relate to what you're saying there. Yeah. What is this quote? There's there's a quote like I know that I have it somewhere in my book. Can I just look for it? Yeah, go for, look for it. To begin, begin. That was a simple, simple <laughs> quotation. My yes. God. Um, but I just know it's this kind of thing. Begin teaching and something will something will inspire you later that will actually just be, I don't I want to say better than the teaching you initially started with. Yeah. It's the same with the Oh, with that's the that's ideas, my experience you know? too, yeah. Because you can't you can't think yourself to brilliance. I don't think and don't take that as me thinking that thinking doesn't have a place because I love thinking. I do a lot of thinking, but I feel like that it's a it's like a dialogue. It's a dialogue between thinking and doing. And I say this like fully transparent as a person who used to only think and I used to only like kind of dream about what I was going to do and I would never do it. And it's a very stagnant place. It doesn't actually change. Whereas if you start doing then it informs your thinking and then your thinking changes or, or it doesn't necessarily change, but it like it adds to it and you come to more conclusions. And then you have those feelings or flashes of brilliance of like, oh, I never thought about that. But it doesn't it doesn't occur, at least not as quickly and or not at all when you're just thinking. So inspiration is a stimulus, yeah, a, a mental stimulus, but we don't just have one input for our mind, which is thinking. So as you're saying, which is 
extremely seductive by the way yeah. to just think or plan it's so comfortable and you also really do feel like you're doing something yeah absolutely but where the magic happens is when you are doing so you're not just thinking but it's a visual element uh, maybe something spills on your paper or whatever or maybe you hear the neighbors swearing outside and suddenly you put swearing into your art and it's all those stimuli that is the plural for stimulus yeah that is correct yes thank you iris <laughs> That come together to make this magic. So definitely, if you're going to be all in your head, it's, as I, as I said, it's very nice and, and comfortable and attractive and you feel like you're doing something, but you actually aren't. So waiting for brilliance is never something that I suggest. Hmm. What I do want to ask though is like, before we, we got into this, we were talking about ticking all of those boxes and you can never like truly know how you got into this path of, I don't know, painting a butt. I mean, I know how I got there. <laughs> but are you able, and if you're comfortable maybe sharing, to trace your inspiration for those works of art that you do, the, the Neo Color 2 on the black backgrounds, which, as you know, I'm a bit obsessed with. Are you able to tell us how all those little flashes of inspiration came together to make what I think is brilliant? Oh, thank you. I think that the way that those pieces of art came to be is actually from a place of, well, I'm just sitting down and warming up. I'm just using these art supplies that I don't like because, you know, it's not a big secret, but I have not been a fan of the Neo Color 2. I'm warming up to them, but I realized that, you know, it was, it was such a coming from such a place of, well, I don't really care. I mean, I care, but like I'm not attached. And bringing that to the table, I often feel like I do sometimes do my best work when I think the least, when I really kind of give myself over to the process, when I don't get attached to the outcome and when I'm just working fast. And so these pieces that you like so much are not at all deliberate. They are like, it. I think a session of art like that usually starts for me where I'm like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to draw an apple. Like, I'm not interested in drawing apples at all. Like, you know, I, I like quirky faces. I like feelings and emotions. But I also realize that sometimes I need to warm up or do things that don't matter because I feel like my art often matters a lot. It, you know, even if it doesn't matter to other people, it matters to me. It, it comes from a very deep place. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to sit down and go like, oh, I'm going to make deep art. So, yeah drawing an apple it just happens and then like there's a certain thing that gets out of the way and I don't know like what is your experience of getting in your own way and how does that relate back to what you experience as flow or inspiration oh good question I don't think I get in my own way necessarily artistically I oh, think well, it's can we have some of that can you send some of that juju to me and to all the people right now who are going like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> no, I, I do get in my own way, but, but not in, in that. If I like something and if it's in a different medium, I paint it. If it doesn't look like my style or whatever that is, I just do it because I have the psychological uh, complex that I'm going to die <laughs> uh -huh. and I better do what I want to do because I might not get to do it tomorrow which is not the healthiest way to live, but it's a bit free. Mm -hmm. And when I do find myself maybe thinking, oh, this is too cute to be Tamara's style, I very quickly have a reaction to that. Uh, it's quite a strong reaction, which is, 
what? Nobody can tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. So I do it. But how I get in my own way is kind of the other things that we spoke about in in, in uh, episode number one, which is the uh, imposter syndrome or thinking about something. But when it comes to actually doing my arts, I'm quite free when, when I reach the, the paper. Mm. I found it interesting what you were saying about like you painted an apple and then it led on to other things. And obviously the, the trick is not to feel inspired, go and paint an apple. Mm. It was just getting it out into the canvas and also trying to remove that thinking and overthinking portion. Am, am I correct? Yeah, exactly. It's basically like um, I like uh, Kaylee Gray from Get Messy. She says often more than zero is enough. And I love that because it basically means all I have to do is show up pick something up like a crayon or a pencil and make a mark. And that is enough. And the distance between not doing something and making that one mark, that distance is much, much bigger than between the first mark and a painting or an art journal page or anything else. Like it's that it's just that first step that is the most massive. And so that's why I love that feeling of like more than zero is enough because it just leads me in. And then I can go from an apple to, you know, these colorful faces on the, the black paper that, you know, seem to have struck a chord in some people. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I'm so shameless, but Kaylee Gray is South African. I just want everybody to I know. I know. That. Kaylee and Gray is I South African. South and African. did you know that Tamara is South African? I don't know if she's told you this. <laughs> Why don't we talk about slumps or getting stuck? Because I feel like right now we've been talking about inspiration as that wonderful feeling that we sometimes feel. We've been talking about showing up. And then when you show up, sometimes inspiration shows up. But I think what we haven't touched on yet is you know, what do you do when stuff is completely absent? Like when you're just like, I just want to watch Netflix or I don't have any ideas, that kind of stuff. You're touching, you're touching on some, some raw places in my life right now. man. (laughs) (laughs) So I have recently, I don't even, I kind of feel even scared to say that I'm out of it, but I was like probably in the biggest creative slump of, of my life. Hmm. Um, And it wasn't because of inspiration. And I think that's what's kind of depressing in a way, because I had all the ideas here. Okay. And I had all the ideas, but I saw other people executing them, which Mm -hmm. felt even worse. But it was because of motivation. And I think that inspiration and motivation are sometimes used kind of interchangeably. Oh, that's such a good point. I was definitely inspired, which I think feels worse mm-hmm. than being uninspired and having motivation because I still feel you can. Yes, because the then you can stuff. show up and just do. Whereas, and, and actually what you're talking about, it makes me think about something that I experience, which is that for me, inspiration usually strikes when I can't use it. So it will strike (laughs) when I really do need to do something else, like something to do with my day job or something to do with an obligation to like, you know, my kids or my husband or, you know, whatever. It it will strike in the queue at the post office or whatever, but not when I'm at my desk. It's like when I'm at my desk, it's like, hi, I'm running away now. Bye. I probably shouldn't laugh. I sound extremely cruel, but I think that's hilarious. No, I that think you're laughing in recognition. That's how I that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think it's hilarious, you know, the, the moment that you actually want to do something you can't. 
I think I'm hardly ever uninspired. And when I get inspiration, it's mostly to do things that are not necessarily creative, if that makes sense. So I, I'm inspired to get fit or something by somebody who's not for long, by the way, uh, who's gotten fit. But when it comes to create, I don't feel like my well is ever empty. But what it is for me, usually, it's either I lack motivation or I am burnt out. And I think those are two different things, lacking motivation and being burnt out. Because when you're burnt out, you're physically unable to do something. So when I'm in a creative slump, it's very important for me to realize which one's the problem. And usually if it's burnt out, I ignore it because, I mean, I'm not Mm -hmm. here to admit that I'm getting burnt out. Um, I'm a little bit um, hard-headed. So I keep on like ramming at, at this thing. And I have a list of actions that I perform. I write down every single creative thing that I want to do that I can think of in the moment. And then I methodically go through every single one. And if I'm burnt out, usually by number three, I get sick. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. I'm, please, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying what I do. But if I'm not burnt out, by number three, I'm already in a flow again. And that's yeah. kind of how I get out of it. This last creative slump, I was definitely burnt out and unmotivated in a in a different sense. I think my intrinsic motivation uh, was a little bit shaken. I, I think what you're saying is that like the importance of recognizing uh, when to keep pushing and when to kind of step back. Because I think that previously I was talking about how I used to just think and not do. Well, when you're in that phase of just thinking and not doing, I don't think you should step back. You, you, there's probably some fears that you can address uh, that are stopping you from actually doing. But when you are doing um, and you are sometimes successful at it and sometimes not, and I, when I say successful, I mean innerly successful rather than like what other people think. And like you're succeeding at what you're setting out to do. And then if you experience a slump, I think it's really important to check in with yourself. Like, are you burnt out? Are you, you know, have you been working really hard? Do you need a rest? Like I am the worst with recognizing whether I need a rest because I always feel like, crap the whip. Iris, work harder because you're lazy. You know, like one of those (laughs) internal, internal voices that I have. So actually being able to recognize that I've experienced that Uh, My motivation and also my inspiration is very cyclical. And I hate the fact that it is because I would like to just be really consistent and be the same every day. But, you know, experience tells me that is not the case. It's more like working with that when it's on, it's on and you take advantage of it. And when it's off, well, sometimes you just got to go through that and then it comes back when you're ready, when you're rested, when you're kind of like, when you've had a little bit less kind of stimulus, I guess. I think this is something I learned from you. Yeah. She's like sitting in your shit. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like the, something that's so difficult for me to do because I'm a person of action. Like mm-hmm. you, I inherently believe that I am a lazy person. Mm. Um, so it's very difficult sometimes to just sit and not take action. Just mm. like it's difficult to listen. And like to it's people. so emotionally uncomfortable to do that. So maybe my question to you should be: Is I know you might be reluctant, but do you have any advice for somebody who doesn't know how to sit in their shit? I don't have advice. I don't give advice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this I is know. why I. This is why I'm not commercially <laughs> successful because I 
purposefully do not want to tell people what to do because it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me to be told what to do. But no, I can, I can, some I can share your insights, my experience. Yeah, I sitting in your shit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even any good at it. Like, it's funny that you're asking me this question. Like, Iris, you are the authority on sitting in your shit. Tell us how you, (laughs) tell us all how you do it. I'm like, I don't do it. I'm like the worst kind of procrastinator running away or Netflix watcher. (laughs) Uh, um, But I think that when I sum this up and I'm like kind of being self-deprecating, I think that what I recognize though is that even though I do all of those things, I also do a little bit of sitting in my shit. And if you can do it a little bit, then that's enough. And some days you can do it a lot. And obviously I have therapy. I'm very open about that. My therapist helps me a lot. I don't know how capable I would be at doing this if I didn't have a therapist, if I didn't have like an emotionally literate husband, if I didn't have like very supportive and emotionally literate friends, it would be a lot harder, I think. Yeah, so a little bit is fine. And I feel like art is such a great vehicle for that and again it doesn't have to be sitting down and going I'm gonna do really serious art I'm gonna like sit with my stinky feelings that I don't like it doesn't have to be like that one of my actually one of my favorite things and one of the things in one of the ways in which art has really helped me with my feelings is that rather than kind of sitting and facing them which to me would make my feelings run away like really quickly is sitting and just making art and like just doing intuitive art and obviously that requires a little bit of practice but when you're doing it and when you're allowing yourself to do it a lot of things can come out without you having to stare it directly in the face it's like you just make the art and then afterwards the art can tell you what it was that you were feeling and experiencing and then obviously you have to be you know a little bit brave in being willing to look at it but I actually love that process because it's really worked for me in kind of getting getting closer to my feelings uh, without being somehow expected to purposefully go and sit in the shit. <laughs> but so tell me about, because your art is very, it looks very... Um, Shush. No, no, no. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> no, I think what I like about your art is that it looks very deliberate in looking and expressing certain things. I feel like with my art, my art's very random. It's like, it might express deep things, but it expresses them completely like by chance and randomly um, and through a very long process of like, you know, being free and intuitive. But I feel like when I look at your art, I get the feeling that you are often very deliberately painting specific experiences and yeah, so tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I I think one thing I want to say is like when you speak about your artistic process, I feel like it's a very humble. You sound very humble, and and obviously I am attracted to humble. Pe- Hi, Iris, I find you attractive. <laughs> um, and I feel a little bit arrogant about saying this now after I've listened to you talk about your experience, but I kind of feel like when I go and I sit to the paper, I know what I want to, what I want to paint. And don't get me wrong. It doesn't always end up like that. I go in thinking, you know, 
this person trash talked to me when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. It's time to deal with them. And then it actually turns out to be somebody else that said, or me that said something to somebody else. So I think I feel challenged by my feelings. I feel that when I notice them, I have this drive to confront them. I have to. So if something is making me feel icky, I don't feel afraid of it necessarily, or I don't feel uncomfortable about it. I want to find out who you are. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I want to do that is because I have spent so much of my life burying shit. Just mm. go away, stay away. It now feels maybe that I'm curious about them. And I actually, even if they're absolutely horrible and ugly and hurtful, they're still, they're still in here. And I want to get to know the parts of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it kind of comes out because I have an idea already of who they are. And then I, oh, this sounds so show well, but <laughs> I have an idea of who they are. And then they manifest themselves in that way in, in my art. And mm-hmm. usually I think my things are quite, uh, they look quite evil or they mm-hmm. look quite grumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because the, those are the two things that I suppress the most uh, in my life. That's why I think it comes out so what's the word it's so so clear with so much of clarity you can see these things yeah it's like you know very clearly what it is that you want to explore and want to deal with you use the word humble to describe when I was talking about my art I don't necessarily think it's being humble it's more about having become comfortable at saying I don't know yeah and I think that we don't hear people very often honestly saying I don't know especially when asked a direct question, especially when asked to give advice and stuff like that. So I don't actually think it's being humble. It's just being comfortable with not having the answer. And I think that that is the thing that I can take to my art and allow it to come out and then answers or or more questions present themselves. But I think that you're, you're talking about a different approach that has a similar result. Because although you have something much more clear in mind that you want to work on, you then allow it to be or become or tell you what it needs to be or become or tell you. And you learn from it and you're still curious to see what happens rather than that you say like, okay, no, my idea is fixed and it's just going to be fixed until the end of the painting and then that's it. Yeah, well, that's a rather boring way to paint, hey? <laughs> it is, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and also, I don't think it challenges you. I don't think you learn. I'm a, I am love pleasure. I'm definitely in the pursuit of pleasure in my life. And this creative flow that I always talk about is one of the most pleasurable states to exist in. Mm. Trust, trust me, children. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, Don't do I, the drugs. Just, <laughs> just experience creative flow. <laughs> I think also if you go in with a fixed idea, you might satisfy your logical brain or the the brain that makes like a goal and you hit it, but you're not going to satisfy this other part that actually wants it to be whatever it wants it to be. And I think that's, I've experienced that too. Um, I came from a very kind of like results focused approach when I first started painting because I was like, I took some classes and then I was like, oh, I can do this. I can do this and I can make things look nice. How amazing. I thought that was the holy grail. I always thought that if you could paint and be satisfied with the result, then that would be the reason for doing it. And then I realized I wasn't satisfied at all and it wasn't sustainable. It didn't make me want to come back to my art desk 
And it was something else that, that I needed to keep coming back. And maybe that's also sometimes the difficulty with inspiration to just bring it back to inspiration that I think for me, inspiration often has to do with some kind of result rather than the showing up for the process, because I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? I don't know, honestly, how I, I don't feel like inspirations are in. I, I think it's a I think it's just an addictive kind of feeling, I think, because it's a mental stimulus and how it makes you feel like physio physiologically. Like when I feel inspired, I feel excited. I get tingles, all of the stuff. I don't feel like it's an end thing. I feel like it's the, it's to me, inspiration is like an extra motivation. I, I don't really have much. I don't have, I don't want to say respect uh, because that might be the wrong word, but I don't really have like much like respect for, for, <laughs> for inspiration. I don't look at it as like, oh, my muse, you know, my muse was here and she came and she touched my face. Inspiration's important and it's good to be inspired. I get that, but I don't think it's that important. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I just, if you're chasing after inspiration, just stop, man. Just go to your paper, get your pens out, draw, draw a butt first, mm -hmm. and then draw whatever else you want to. And that inspiration will come. But I don't think it's as important as people make it out to be. I just went on a rant there. No, I, I think that you make a really good point that I connect with, which is it's not as important as people make it out to be. And I don't know who these people are. Like it might be <laughs> a story from childhood because I think that if you were to talk to artists, if you were to interview artists or creative people, um, I think that you would get a lot of opinions about inspiration, but I do think that you would get very nuanced views about it. And I feel like that when we talk about is inspiration a myth? I think we're talking about that concept of inspiration that is kind of like the, like almost like the apocryphal, um, is that the right word? Uh, yeah, meaning of inspiration. It's like what we think inspiration means to the rest of the world. But actually when you, when you start examining it, what it means individually to individual people, it's probably not as fixed and not as magical. And it's actually probably much more real and uh, both real and ephemeral at the same time. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, I, you are making sense because I understand you and I am the consensus on sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm currently reading uh, letters by Van Gogh, which yeah. other people might pronounce as Van Gogh, which I am doing here embarrassingly just to be clear about who I'm talking about. Um, I'm, so I'm reading these letters and I realize um, this is the first time uh, that I am reading letters by him and I realize how much of a work ethic he had. He was just showing up. Um, he is very excited. He's very inspired, but he's not, you know, he's just he's just doing the work. And I'm like, I get very excited about that, specifically reading firsthand from someone so famous, obviously not in his lifetime, but to us now, you know, like my kids would be able to list several of his paintings and know what they look like. You know, he's hugely famous and also hugely original. And to just hear or to read that he was just showing up 
And he was just interested. He was curious. He was like, oh, there's this thing that I want to try. There's this thing that I want to get closer to. There's this thing that I want to draw or paint or, or you know, I want to get more of this. And, you know, oh, I'm so excited about this crayon. Um, you know, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. <laughs> but it's very, um, it's very inspiring to me to actually read about the like mundanity, mundaneness of, um, you know, this is someone who we all know, whose paintings we know, who we would look at and say, well, he was inspired. But actually, when you read what his daily life was like, he wasn't like la 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 angels singing inspired. He was just doing the work. I think that's inspiring. I know you're talking about Van Gogh, and maybe I'm going to take it a little bit like out of left field here. But um, obviously, we know he struggled with um, with mental health issues mm. and, and things like that. And I'm not saying you need to be tortured to be good or inspired, because as you said, he showed up every day. Okay, mm-hmm. but something that I read that was kind of interesting. I don't know how uh, based in science it is, uh, because I saw that some scientists just disagreed. But it was something called like by by carnal brain where when people felt that they were seeing muses in the past, they actually were because their brains weren't communicating properly with, with each other. And what they were, it was actually their brain that they got this inspiration from, but it felt like an otherworldly mm-hmm. source. Um, so that was really interesting to me when I read it. I, I don't think that's happening to me, but um, I think it's quite an interesting um, way to make sense of when people say, my muse literally came and yeah. sat on my arm. And I, I think that's really interesting as well, like different people, different experiences. Like, you know, all we can do is talk as Iris and Tamara about what inspiration is like for us. But that doesn't mean that other people would experience it the same way or that one way is valid. You know, some people, they might show up and they might feel that inspiration and they might listen to us and say what, what are you, you talking, talking about, about? Yeah. <laughs> and so, also our, our opinions on inspiration might change in the next oh yeah five years, absolutely you know? yeah because yeah. that's what it means to be human yeah and also um maybe one of the things that might come into it as well is how much time you have because I do this not full time, but I do this a lot more than I used to. I used to have to like do all my art in the evenings and weekends. And then it felt like a lot of pressure, like, okay, inspiration has to show up when I have time and it can't show up during the working week because I will be busy and I'll be too exhausted and stuff like that. And it felt very kind of unfair to not have time to execute something when you do feel inspired just because of kind of external circumstances. And I do feel like that the more time you have to dedicate to something, and I don't just mean this as in like, oh, you've got like 40 hours a week to do painting. It can be much smaller than that. But when you have a little bit more freedom in your time and it doesn't feel so like, okay, I've got half an hour inspiration needs to show up now. Otherwise I've wasted my time. It can feel a little bit, um, you can feel a little bit more free to kind of show up and say, I'm going to do some work now and hopefully inspiration will show up. It feels a little bit less pressured. Hmm, That's very interesting. I have a, I have a slightly different experience. Um, I do agree with you. It's, so awesome to have you as don't much have, painting. You don't have to agree with me, you know. I like. know, but I don't <laughs> like disagreeing with you, Iris. 
no, I don't disagree with what you're feeling. Of course, I'm saying my experience is slightly mm. different. Yes, it's great to have lots of time to paint. But uh, to me, for my creativity, I really do enjoy restriction. I was probably slightly more creative when I had a full-time job than I am now. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this thing about like, oh, inspiration can't hit me when I'm in a meeting. I would think, oh, inspiration is here. Oh God, I can live through this meeting. I can make it because I know at the end of the day, I'm going to be able to paint something. And that's how I was kind of living. I was banking on that inspiration and keeping me, mm -hmm. it was keeping me motivated versus if I didn't have anything to paint or do, I would sit there thinking, oh, fuck my life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, how much more of this can I take? How much more mansplaining can mm -hmm. I live with? Yeah, no, I think you're, you're right. I mean, I, I really understand what you're saying. It's basically that when you have certain restrictions, it actually makes you more free. That having no restrictions is sometimes actually the time when you waste the most time, when you have the least ideas, when you're just kind of like floating and um, nothing much comes of it. So yeah, no. I can, I can really, I really understand what you're saying. I think it's just restriction in itself is inspiring. You can only work with blue, yellow, mm. and you have five minutes. Oh, yes, wow. I, well, that's what I'm like. And I think that would lead us into kind of like the end of the podcast where we can give people some, maybe some practical advice, uh, because I think that's a really good one. It's like setting a timer, maybe like, okay, I'm just going to do something in five minutes or in 15 minutes or, um, I'm going to only work with these three colors or I'm only going to work with these five supplies or something like that. Um, I feel like those types of restrictions are hugely freeing. Uh, and especially when you have no ideas, I feel like if you have no ideas and then you just really restrict yourself, then you start, you start and then the ideas come just from having that little framework that is very comforting and, um, and, and makes it not so scary. Do you have any practical tips? Yeah. One of them would be definitely to, after you've decided whether it's motivation, routine, whatever it is, just give yourself permission to be shit and just sit there and think, I'm going to paint something now and it's going to be the shittest thing I've ever done and enjoy yourself mm -hmm. because nobody has to see it. Uh, you don't need it to be a masterpiece. And that will just spurt for me. It spurts so many other ideas that it is definitely one of the most inspiring things I can do for myself. Oh, that's great. I don't do that very often. I think I should do that more often. That sounds like a good one. Um, there's a lot of art that I have that I haven't showed anybody yet, not just because it's shit, but because <laughs> um, it's kind of like between me and myself, if that makes sense. And just maybe that could also be inspiring. Not every single thing that you do needs to be yeah, shared I, or shown. I've, I have some art at the moment that I'm working on self-portraits. They're hugely exposing. I don't mean expose, like, I mean, emotionally exposing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get the wrong idea. Um, and they, yeah, I'm not ready to show those. And that feels really, feels really powerful in, in, a, in a certain sense. Like, oh, I don't have to show this. I'm not ready. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's okay. It's definitely okay. I mean, art, yes, it's it's supposed to be viewed by other people, but it's also totally okay if it's just for you and the person inside mm. of you that you're making it for. Other, like, things I could say about feeling inspired is kind of, <sighs> you might not want to do it, <laughs> 
but ask yourself some questions and actually sit down with something that inspires you. So if you find something, a painting that inspires you, don't just split onto the next painting, sit with it, copy it, copy what you might think looks good. And then don't aim to repeat that in your art. Just let it come out naturally. That is yeah. something I also learned from you. I was um, I was going to say, like, that sounds like something I said in a video. I Like, I know the video that I said that in. Yes, I did say that. Yeah. Ask, why is this important to me? What do I like about it? What What is it making me feel? And I think those things will just lead you on to your next idea. Yes. Do you have any other tips, Iris, for inspiration? No. I have no more tips to give. Yeah, we've given all the advice and tips that anybody could ever want. So stop <laughs> asking us for more. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> okay, let's take it into a little bit of a lighthearted space. I can do that. I have faith in myself. Lighthearted. <laughs> Tell you something, I don't know how lighthearted it is, but I've been printing stickers this week and I have been looking for sticker paper. I finally found them and I was using them and I was like, oh God, this doesn't meet my expectations. So I went back in a frenzy to Amazon and I found the perfect sticker paper and it looked great. And then I said, okay, let me read that, the reviews. And I was reading the review and there was this review that was really well put out and just really saying that the sticker paper was shit. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This person's put pictures and I went and I checked Was it my like, review? It was your review. And I was like, <laughs> That's hilarious. And I was like, whoa, check it I just reviewed something. Did you try it? Did you try that sticker paper? I didn't. I was Because the I thing is, I had else. really high hopes for I Like I know um, uh, is, uh, Catnip, who does like lots, she has like a big uh, shop. She's a, a UK vlogger and uh, illustrator. And she uses that paper and like it works really well for her but when i bought it i feel like i got like a fake version or something i don't know um and it was expensive as well i these days i order my sticker paper from online labels i think but again i like i started ordering it and it was really good and then i ordered it again and then it was like a bit shit and it's just like it's so frustrating so i hear your sticker paper woes i i really do yeah, I mean, I'm not selling these things as yet, but I just, I would not want somebody to to get the original stickers that I did. This one seems okay, though. It's not anything to, like, cry about or what, whatever the saying is. But, yeah, um, and I think that maybe just leads on to the importance of reviews, yeah? Um, it's really important to leave reviews. Uh, they don't have to be as detailed as ours, <laughs> <laughs> but they sure do help. And if you ever want to laugh, go and read Google reviews. It's my favorite thing to do. At, at oh, night. is that? Oh. I, I, I enjoy reading Google reviews uh, for secondary schools because like my eldest is going to secondary school. So we were reading some Google reviews and it's obviously disillusioned kids who leave Google reviews for their own schools. And it's hilarious. So it's a bit of a segue, but like, yeah, um, really funny. <laughs> in a moment, we will share our key takeaways from this episode. But before we do that, thank you for listening. And thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, like Iris, please leave a wonderful review. I, I thought you were going to say, like Iris, please leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Iris, do a good job and review this podcast. And if you feel that it might help anybody, please share it with them. Uh, we would be extremely grateful. The 
key takeaways for this episode are show up for your art and creativity versus waiting for inspiration. Inspiration comes in the doing. As Kaylee Gray from Get Messy says, more than zero is enough. Feeling like you need to get a little bit of inspiration? Try restriction with your time and your supplies. Give yourself permission to let go of the end result. Copy what inspires you and let it appear naturally in your art. Ask questions about what inspires you. And remember, just sitting a little bit in your shit is enough. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of Not A Real Artist. Of course, we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope to see you again when Iris and I discuss succeeding at art. Goodbye.